everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Before anything, please do subscribe. I have close to 120 subscriber episodes, probably more by the time you hear this. And uh, the most recent one was why not to over-respond when your wife puts her hand on your shoulder or anything like that, even if you feel starved for affection, why this actually works against you. All right, so for today, we are going to be talking about a very common dynamic where the more dysfunctional your marriage is, the more dysfunctional your family is overall. And the children start to really epitomize the um, kind of uh, bad feelings between the parents and um, and basically to act like assholes, <laughs> to put not too fine a point on it. So how does this work? So basically, kids need structure. They need boundaries. They need some uh, expectations about that some things are okay and some things aren't okay and that the world doesn't revolve around them and their transient feelings. And as I've discussed so many times, you can refer back to the podcast, Stop Letting Your Kids Treat You Like Garbage. A lot of times parents have the best of intentions. They were raised in super invalidating homes. Their feelings were never listened to on anything. So then they, you know, the pendulum swings the opposite direction, which is actually no better. And they become super permissive, over-validating. Every time the kid has a feeling, it's taken like gospel. The entire family is structured around the child never being upset about anything. And as you can imagine, then the children start to act uh, pretty self-absorbed. Uh, not for anything bad about them, but they're just literally learning that they are the center of the world. So, I mean, they're smart. They're learning that. So why does this happen more when the parents are unhappy? Well, because the parents are basically married to the kids. They don't have any um, partner. They don't have anybody who really supports them. Both of them feel this way, no matter what the issues are. And so they throw themselves wholly into the children. And the better, the, the children like them more, short term, the better that they, um, you know, that, that they feel that things go for them, which for children means getting everything they want. So if your spouse, let's say you're a man whose wife won't touch you. Well, when do your kids throw their arms around you and touch you and cuddle you and say you're the best daddy when you give them everything they want? So short term, it seems very easy to, um, you know, and, and very good in the moment and very gratifying to buy them a lot of shit, for example, so that they're just so happy with you and they give you that smile and that love that you're missing, you know, that you don't get from anywhere else. And this isn't a conscious thing. You know, but it's a very subconscious thing. People need love. And if they're not getting it from the um, from the partner, if they're never getting any positive affirmation or touch or cuddling or compliments, then they want it from the children. And how do you get things from people? By being nice to them. And for kids, that's giving them everything they want in the moment. And so it, it's sometimes to the point that it's really a surrogate spouse, that the child really becomes a surrogate spouse. So like, for example, the mother will sleep in the kid's room instead of with the father. And, you know, her her stated reasons are that the kid is scared of the dark, you know, or something like this, which, of course, kids are not going to be scared of the dark if they're not made to be scared of the dark by never giving them a situation to get over being scared of the dark. Scared of the dark is something that can be easily gotten over like any phobia with exposure increasingly exposing the child to being in the dark where dark is, is a thing that happens, you know, every night. So it's kind of big one for a kid to have to get over. But the mother doesn't really want to because then she gets, oh, then the cuddle time doesn't happen. 
And so she really values the cuddle time because she doesn't get anything from her husband. He may want to cuddle, but maybe he's just not a nice guy to her in general, which of course then is because she's not that nice to him in general, etc., etc. But the, the point is not to blame either parent for this, but when the couple is unhappy, both of them start to try to get their emotional needs met subconsciously from the children. And that's the cuddling and the affirmation and all of this. And you get more of that when you do whatever the kid wants. So um, there could be a lot of um, conflict because one parent could be acting like this, but the other one sees it more for what it is and doesn't want to do it and says, but, you know, if you keep giving them everything, then that's why they're acting entitled. And then, of course, that parent who's giving them everything was likely one that was given nothing as a kid, and they don't want to replicate that for the child. So then they start to think of the partner as a horrible, you know, beast, an authoritarian asshole, just like the father that she grew up with or whatever the mother he grew up with and then the conflicts over the parenting styles then make the marriage even worse so that's a vicious cycle so they start the parenting problems may start at least in part because the parents are lonely and they have their own individual issues uh, from stemming from their upbringing that was likely too harsh when they swing to permissive but then if they ha- if they're not on the same page with it fully, or if one is less permissive than the other, then they start fighting over that, and then that amplifies the existing marital problems, which then, of course, makes the problems worse between the kids, with the kids. Now, also, what are other ways that a dysfunctional uh, family can impact the children? Well, the children do what they see. And so if the parents are always bickering, always blaming, always passive-aggressive with each other, then you'll see the exact same behaviors happen between the siblings. And this can be very uncomfortable and people push out of consciousness where and how their children have learned this, but they're learning it exactly from the parents. In a home where the parents were kind and respectful to each other, there's not fighting like this between siblings. Sure, there's always a little bit of bickering over like resources and stuff. There's limited toys, limited whatever. That's just normal for any like mammal, you know, to kind of try to get some kind of power over the other, you know, members of the pack. That's like a normal mammalian behavior. But the kids that are really nasty to each other see parents being really nasty to each other. And that just is what it is. And it's very uncomfortable to think about, but it's a truth that could help you have an epiphany about the need to work on your marriage so that your children do not approximate the same behaviors both now and also, of course, when they're older with friends, coworkers, intimate partners, and so forth. So whenever the kids are really tantruming in a... um, In a house, I say, which parent has anger issues? And there's always one, you know, because that's how the kid knows. That's how they know to tantrum. Sometimes they're just a very reactive kid and they get placated very quickly. They get given shit as soon as they yell because both parents are terrified of them having a negative emotion. These would be two parents that had very strict or difficult parents themselves. So they're so terrified of the kid having a negative emotion that the child learns to tantrum basically on his own. Because as soon as he gets loud enough, then he gets his needs met instantly because the parents hate the loud or they hate the idea of him being upset. But most of the time, the kid's tantrum is just directly related to that. They see a parent screaming and yelling. So this is what we do when we're unhappy. We scream and yell. Kids are very smart, you know, and so they learn from what they see. And often, this is why whenever there's kid problems, I always say the parents should go to therapy. That can really expedite the process. A lot of parents don't want to go to therapy. They don't want to look in at their own behavior. But if they do, the people I have that, that um, really do, that'll say, man, 
you're right. We do yell at each other, and that must be where the kids are getting it. I'd say try not to yell at each other for a week. Literally, not because you're trying to be nice to each other, because you don't like each other, I understand, but both of you love the kids. Why don't you just try and see, right? Try and see if the amount of yelling in the house goes down both between you and the kids if you just stop yelling. They'll usually try. People, you know, people that have the motivation to come into therapy are a different breed though, right? That's not everybody. But once they have the motivation to come in, a subset of those will really be objective and will really try things. And when they do it, invariably goes very well. They'll come back in a week or two and be like, holy shit, the tantrums really went down. We didn't realize how much they were related to them literally looking at us yelling. And now that you say it, of course, of course, you know. They're watching us try to get our needs met via yelling. Why wouldn't they do it? Of course they would do it, right? So this could be a super big uh, learning experience and uh, inflection point for couples in distress to say, well, shit, if they're picking that up, what else are they picking up? Are they picking that we blame each other for everything, that we roll our eyes at each other, that we don't touch each other, that we are unhappy uh, doing family activities, that they always seem so stressful, that we're always rushing and urgent and everything always seems, you know, kind of terrible. And where did we, in fact, learn to think of everything is terrible. Wow, shit, I guess it was from our families of origin that were kind of joyless. And now we're unfortunately replicating the same thing, right? So these can be super big epiphanies. The other big epiphany, again, is the short-term gratification where you make a child happy very short-term by buying them and giving them anything they want. They never have to eat anything they don't want. They never have to sleep when they don't want. They never have to do anything really they don't want. And then to be um, surprised that they end up acting entitled and narcissistic is crazy. I mean, your kid would be stupid if they weren't narcissistic. (laughs) If if you're treating them like that, I mean, they're learning literally that they're the center of the world. They never have to do anything they don't want to do. So why wouldn't they act like a dick? And it may be cute when they're three years old, although not really, but it certainly ain't going to be cute when they're 13 years old. And it's really not going to be cute when they're 23 years old. So it's going to be even less cute, you know, with every passing year. So what do you do if you're in a situation where your children do act very difficult and entitled and, uh, you know, self-centered? You got to look inward. You got to say, am I so unhappy in my marriage that I throw myself into appeasing the children either because I have zero bandwidth to deal with their um, being upset because I myself am upset. So I have like literally no tolerance of them being upset because it just adds more to my burden of being unhappy. And or am I trying to make them love me because I don't get enough love? You know, and so these things are never just because in the marriage, by the way. They're also like the, the people that end up in unhappy marriages are always, as I've said, people that have seen unhappy marriages. People that end up in happy marriages saw happy marriages. Like, you know, not everything's 100%, but this is a main effect, a large main effect. So if you saw an, an unhappy marriage growing up, then it's likelier you'll be in an unhappy marriage, and then that intergenerational trauma will just pass down and down and down. So you don't want it to keep passing down. So this is why it's so super important to understand what's going on here is that you may be appeasing your kids because you do not have any ability to deal with them. Now, there's also other situations that you can understand even more simplistically. So frequently marriages that are distressed have a parent who has addiction issues, one or both. So in families where everybody's drinking, they're either drinking or they're hungover. They're like, there's two states, drinking and hungover. In neither state can a parent deal well with a child whining or crying or being distressed. 
So they just basically plug the kid into whatever device as a babysitter, or they just kind of um, appease them. They just throw snacks or toys or, again, screen time, whatever, to the kids because they are... They have no bandwidth to deal with them because they're either drinking or using or whatever, or on video games, whatever they're addicted to, or they're hungover from that thing. So then they have like a headache, they have to sleep, whatever. So in these sorts of situations where there's any kind of substance abuse or addiction, you know, then the kids kind of really just run wild. They just do their own thing and periodically they get something thrown at them to shut them up. And this can happen also when parents are addicted to marital conflict. So there's a lot of people who disappear into their bedroom for hours so that they could fight, which they call talking. And um, the kids know it's fighting. And they, they talk and talk and talk. And the kids just basically run around the house like lunatics because uh, they don't have any attention. They don't have any structure. And then sometimes it's interesting is that the parents will only see this once we start really working on stuff in couples counseling and they get better. And they get out of, the, out of the room because it's like a number one thing that I talk about is you cannot have these extended discussions in your bedroom. You just can't. Your kids are running like lunatics around the house and you got to get out. Like we can talk in here, you know, and you could talk maybe after they go to sleep if, if, you, can't, if you can stop yourself from yelling, which is unusual. But you, you can't do it while they're awake. Just can't. So a lot of people, again, if they're committed enough to come in, will try that. And then they're like, oh, my God. They can't behave for shit. Holy God. Like, where, what? You know, like, they, they, this is a lunatic asylum. Why? Because they're used to being completely on their own. Because everybody was so preoccupied with having these endless discussions, really fighting, about the marriage. So they were basically, it was like Lord of the Flies. And now you're coming in and you're looking at it and you're like, oh my God, is there even a bedtime? Why I thought we had a bedtime. Do we have a bedtime? Well, yeah, bedtime varied every night based on if the parents are yelling at each other or not. So when you start to deal with the marital dysfunction and it recedes a little bit, then often you're like, oh my God, the inmates were running the asylum this whole time and now we got to do something about it. And that can be a major focus at that stage of couples counseling can turn into basically family counseling, not that we include the children. I've really rarely seen situations that would be better, including small children in a family counseling situation versus just the parent, if they are, of course, uh, committed and motivated. If they are motivated, then just the adults working on something can change the entire atmosphere such that the children don't have to work on anything directly told to them by a therapist. They could just be literally children that are responding like plants do. If you move it to another window, they grow a different direction toward the sun is in a different place. So the parents are the sun, you know, and the kids are the plants in this. So if the the sun starts acting different, so does the plant. So if you guys calm down, you and your spouse that are listening to this, maybe, and you calm down and you start to take a long-term view of parenting where you need structure and you need some rules and consistency and routine and calmness and uh, love between parents, smiling, smiling between parents, smiling at the children. We all touch, we all hug, we all cuddle, uh, we all talk nicely to each other. Expected things happen at certain times of the day, every day. We have three meals, we have a bedtime, we have a wake time. Nobody is screaming at each other. Nobody blames each other. You can get to this place. This isn't just like television. Adult children of dysfunctional families are like, yeah, right. What's that family ties bullshit? That isn't really real life. Yes, it is. It can be. Many people change to that. And their kids, it's really interesting. Like once you move toward a more functional dynamic, 
you'll sometimes have a fight with your spouse, not like you used to, but any kind of a fight where like you um, snap at them for something and you'll see your children all go on to hypervigilant high alert and look up and ask like, are things okay? And, and you'll be like, oh my God, it'll be like a, a knife, you know, to the heart, people say, right? Because they realize that that used to be happening like infinity times a day. And they didn't even think about it because they didn't think it could be different. Then once you make the family calmer, if there are things like that where the parents disagree or something, you see in real time that the children are so scared and anxious and, and uh, you know, questioning and, and it stresses them really is the point. Their cortisol, you could almost see it pump into their bloodstream. And then you're like, oh my God, that used to be all the time, right? But people can get to this place. I work with many people that can get to a place where they're having a calmer house for their kids with structure and they're giving the kids something that they never had, which is really, isn't that the point? That's the point of parenting, to give your kids what you never had, right? To give them a happy, calm, consistent life. If that sounds like a pipe dream, then you ought to get into counseling because your children deserve it not to be a pipe dream, right? Just like you did. Unfortunately, that part is too late for you, but it can be very healing for you to be able to give it to your children and to be in a loving and happy marriage yourself. Can everybody do that? No. Sometimes people just cannot stop fighting. In that case, I always recommend if you cannot stop fighting, no matter what you do, no matter what counselor you see, and the children are continually stressed, then certainly a divorce with two calm homes is better than one crazy one where there's constant fighting and insanity. But many, many people can change. They really can, especially when they're motivated to help their children, to help their children that don't deserve this the same as you didn't deserve it. All right, well, I hope that this resonates with some of you. And of course, you can always reach out to me for counseling or my people at Best Life Behavioral Health, or um, I'm all out of network, so not everybody can do that, right? Uh, so psychologytoday.com, right, has uh, people that do accept insurance, you know? And so everybody really, you know, you really owe it to your children to to make the their dynamic in the home as calm and consistent and not to make them into assholes, quite honestly, Right? Like, they, if you throw everything down their throat and then you say, why are my kids so self-absorbed? Well, I mean, shit. How, how are you making them? If you fed your dog 15 times a day and then he started whining, you know, every five minutes for another treat, would your dog be an asshole? No. You <laughs> would be a bad dog owner because you're making your dog an asshole. So it's the same kind of thing with children. All right. Well, uh, I will depart. I hope that this was resonant with some of you and I'll talk to everybody soon. Bye-bye.